This is Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Live from the Underground Lounge at the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Devontae Adams, slot right, Matt Collins there as well. First and 10 on the Broncos, 35. Carr, play action again. Looking downfield, lofts it near corner. Adams went over at the five. He walks in, and the Raiders walk off with a win. Touchdown, Devontae Adams, to win it here in Denver. Congratulations to the Raiders. I don't know how you leave number 17 wide open. Raiders end the three-game skid. They beat the Broncos today in overtime, 22-16, to move to 3-7 on the season, out of the cellar of the AFC West, as the Broncos fall into last place. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation, live from the underground lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. We do it every single Monday. We prepare for Monday night football. You heard Jason Horowitz and Lincoln Kennedy on the call right there. That was the walk-off car to Adams touchdown pass. And I'm like Lincoln Kennedy, Raider Nation. I've been saying it all, well, I said it all night last night uh, while I was thinking about the game, while I was kind of rehashing the game in my mind. Said it multiple times so far today. Didn't ask head coach Josh McDaniels about it, but pretty much kind of alluded to it uh, in the media room earlier today. How in the world does Devontae Adams continuously get wide open? I mean, wide open. It's not even, like, like close. I would think it's been about four or five times this season so far that he's been able to be that wide open for a touchdown. Incredible. Not mad at it at all. I mean, I guess that's what makes the greats the greats. But he just ends up wide open. And like Lakin Kennedy said, I don't know how 17 got that wide open, but he did, and the Raiders improved their overall record to 3-7, 22-16 victory over the Denver Broncos, snapping a three-game losing streak. And, again, we are here at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. We do it every single Monday night. We'll be here probably till about 6 o'clock. And I'm assuming just by the victory that happened on Sunday that – a lot of the tone, a lot of the calls, and a lot of the text will be a little bit friendlier today. Uh, looking forward to that. I kind of uh, kind of gave a high five to the wife when, when that happened on, uh, <laughs> on Sunday. I'm at the house watching the game. I was like, all right. Should be a pretty positive day on the radio on Monday. So I'm uh, looking forward to that. But also looking forward to a lot of the great conversations that we will have, not only with Raider Nation, but some of our great guests that we have coming up on the show today at 2.30. Our, our normal Monday guest, Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas and also the RJ, the Review Journal. He joins the show to recap the game, win, loss, tie, whatever the case may be. Ed Graney is our guy. He'll definitely uh, you know re- recapping the game for us. So he'll do that at 2.30. And I know he's kind of flying in right now. So he should be landing and making his way to the house. So we'll get him basically fresh off the plane and get his thoughts on what he saw with the Raiders victory over the Denver Broncos sweeping the AFC West opponent uh, this season which is always a good thing and now the Raiders have beaten the Broncos six times in a row and I know that that's something to be pretty proud of of course the season has not gone the way that anyone wanted this season to go uh, especially the Raiders especially those guys in the locker room head coach Joshua Daniels and anyone else uh, affiliated with the Raiders nobody wanted them to be sitting there at three and seven but when two of those victories uh, come over your uh, AFC West division opponent the Denver Broncos that is a nice little uh, feather in the cap right there so you got to give them a lot of credit for that coming up at three o'clock today's going to be really like an appreciation day and sometimes you have to do that sometimes you really have to just appreciate uh, and I say what you have I don't have anything but what the team has and the players that are on the team especially the ones that are getting after it each and every week even when it's not a win 
when it is a loss or a tough loss, and then they got to stand in front of the media and talk, and they do it uh, each and every week. And so today is really kind of an appreciation show. Again, Ed Graney will join us at 2.30, but at 3 o'clock, George Takata. He is from Reedley College, KMJ Morning Sports anchor. Uh, he's there in the 559 in Fresno, California. Long time, uh, one, he's a Fresno State alum. One time um, covered, covered sports like a glove for the longest uh, in the 559. So he knows everything about the, the Derek Carr to Devontae Adams connection. And uh, we saw it on full display uh, in a major way, as a matter of fact, on Sunday with two Carr to Adams touchdown passes. And it was kind of Kind of really cool because I know leading up into that game on Sunday, there everyone that we talked to that covered the Denver Broncos kept saying how much Pat Sertan was improved from the last time that he faced Devontae Adams. And, well, Devontae Adams, I guess he was hearing that too because he went out there on a mission and had himself a hell of a game without Darren Waller, without Hunter Renfro. It was really the Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams show, and Devontae Adams held up his end of the bargain, as did Josh Jacobs. But uh, we'll talk to George Takata coming up at 3 o'clock. All things Derek Carr, all things Devontae Adams and what that connection is like and also the fact that Derek after the game was talking to Christina Pink on the, she was the Fox o sideline reporter and he said look we're not where we need to be yet as far as that connection our chemistry is still growing you know week to week we're not where we want to be but we're getting there we're getting better and I feel like Raider Nation you can correct me if I'm wrong I feel like you're starting to see those guys click at an even higher level than they have been I, I think it's getting better I think that chemistry is starting to to build between the two guys and that doesn't mean that things have been bad because Devontae Adams has 925 receiving yards on the season and has uh, 10 touchdowns on the season. So things have been going well, but they can get better, and I think that you will continue to see that grow. So we'll talk about that at 3 o'clock with George Takata, Reedley College, KMJ Morning Sports Anchor, longtime sports anchor there in the 559. At 4 o'clock, again, continuing with the appreciation theme that we have going today, Coach Judd Thrash, he's a Texas high school football coach. He's at Monterey High School in Lubbock, Texas right now. But at one point, he was at Colleyville Heritage. And you're probably wondering, okay, so Q, why are you going to have uh, a football coach, a Texas high school football coach from Colleyville Heritage? Well, I'm glad you asked. That's where Max Crosby went to high school. And so he has been, uh, he's very familiar with Mad Max Crosby. Saw him when he was in high school. Saw him when he was on his way to Eastern Michigan. And has been paying attention and following him ever since uh, he's been in the NFL with the silver and black. And when the Pro Bowl was here uh, in whenever month that was, February, I guess, when it was here. Um, and we talked to Max Crosby. I remember my guy Steve Foster, who's uh, out in San Antonio and out in Austin. He does radio out there. He asked Max Crosby about Coach Judd Thrash, and, and Max all of a sudden his eyes lit up and was like, Coach Thrash, that's my guy, that's my guy. And I know that, uh, like I said, he's been coaching high school football in the state of Texas for a very long time. Uh, matter of fact, he coached teams that I covered when I was in Central Texas, and I didn't cover that team directly, but they were in the district that uh, I covered. And so, uh, yeah, so Coach Judd Thrash, now he's out at Monterey High School in Lubbock, and that school didn't do very well last year. You know, I'll be the first to admit that, and I'm sure he'll be the first to admit that. It looks like a, a program that he's taken over. He's going to try to try to build that up and get it where it needs to be. And if someone knows how to coach up some high school football and get it where it needs to be, Coach Thrash is the guy. But we're going to concentrate on Max Crosby uh, and what he saw from him early on at 4 o'clock when we talked to Coach Judd Thrash. And then at 4.30, again, sticking with the theme, sticking with the appreciation theme, a guy that did not get his fifth-year option picked up. That's one running back, Josh Jacobs, put in another performance yesterday that was, you know, a great performance for him. He does it each and every week. He gives you everything he's got. He's got 930 rushing yards already. Already. And, I mean, they just wrapped up with their 10th game of the season and wrapped up week 11, and he's already sitting there at 930 yards. So he's, I mean, he's first and goal when it comes to 1,000 yards rushing, right? He, I mean, he's going to be right there. And it's funny, when you look at the leaders 
with the Raiders, and I was doing this earlier when I was putting the show together, and I realized that Josh Jacobs has 930 rushing yards this season. Realized Devontae Adams has 925 receiving yards this season, right? I mean, so those are the two dudes. Those have been the guys that have gotten it done all season long for the Silver and Black. And obviously, if they can ever get Waller and Renfro and Adams all on the field together and they can ever really all get in the same rhythm, how dynamic the offense really has the potential to be. What we all thought it was going to be, at least what I thought it was going to be, heading into this season. Obviously, it has not shooken out like that. Uh, they've got a lot to do to get there. Uh, I don't know when, when Waller and Renfro are going to come back. They have to miss at least two more games before they're even eligible to come back. So they're not coming back for this week against Seattle. They're not coming back for the week after that against the Chargers. They may return after that. But, again, that's how their body feels. That determines if the Raiders decide that they need to return or not. But, man, it sure would be nice to see all those guys get on the field together and give, them, give all of them an opportunity to really start clicking. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, uh, we're, we're sticking with the theme of the appreciation. Luke Robinson, host of Locked on Bama, will join us at 430 to talk all things Josh Jacobs. That dude has just been phenomenal. He really has. He has been great all season long, even when they weren't giving him the ball. He was still he was still running his backside off. I mean, he, he might have got the ball five or six times in the game, but, man, that was, you know, six yards of carry, seven yards of carry. He was giving it to him, uh, no doubt. And so really appreciate what Josh Jacobs has been able to do. Again, a guy that didn't get his fifth-year option picked up, uh, he very well could have said, you know what, uh, the hell with this. You went and drafted a couple running backs. You went and brought in some free agent running backs. Obviously, I'm the odd man out. I'm just going to pick up my ball and go home, or I'm going to request a trade, or I'm just going to, you know, half-ass it and, and call it a day and become a free agent and go sign somewhere else. He could have done that, but he didn't. He took the, I'm going to put my head down, I'm going to work, I'm going to run real hard, I'm going to do everything I can, I'm going to try to have a career year, and – He's going to get paid somewhere. He's going to get paid either with the Raiders or he's going to get paid with someone else. And whoever it is, I hope it's right here in Las Vegas with the Raiders. I hope they give him a two- to three-year deal extension. That'd be great. But one thing I do know is that Josh Jacobs is going to get paid one way or the other by what he's been able to do so far this season. So there you go. Those are the guests that we have coming up on the show. We're also going to hear from head coach Josh McDaniels. Met with him earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And thanks to Heidi Fang, she sent over some locker room action from uh, last night, uh, both Max Crosby and Josh Jacobs. Again, continuing with the theme that we have going for the show today. So you'll hear from them throughout the course of the show. So Ed Grady, George Takata, Coach Judd Thrash, Luke Robinson, Josh Jacobs, Max Crosby, Josh McDaniels. You're going to hear from all of them cats on today's show. Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So a couple quick questions, and of course, whenever the Raiders come out with a win, we always on the Victory Monday want to talk about game balls and who you're handing the game balls out to. So I'm going to definitely throw that out there, and I would love to hear from you at 702-365-9200. I have a couple people I'd like to hand out game balls to, but also... And this is really the, the, the bigger question. What did that mean? What did that win over the Broncos on Sunday? What, one, what did it mean to you? And two, what did you learn about the Raiders? Those are two questions I want you to think about. You don't have to rush to pick up the phone and call right now, but think about it. What did it mean to you to see the Raiders go into Denver, into hostile territory with Bronco fans and those Bronco players wanted nothing more than to beat Josh McDaniels and the Raiders for multiple reasons. They wanted nothing more than to beat the Raiders in that game. Nathaniel Hackett even gave up the, the play calling, you know, responsibilities. He said, no, you take it because he wanted to win so bad. And, look, he's trying to hold on to his job. I've said it a thousand times. I'll never root for anyone not to have their job. I'll never root for someone to get fired. But I think Nathaniel Hackett is really on his last lifeline, 
maybe uh, handing over the play calling duties was was that last lifeline to ensure that he had a few more games. But, man, Melvin Gordon already got released, right? The Raiders kicked him out the club. <laughs> you know, Max Crosby and his effort alone kicked him out the club just by causing him to fumble again, something that he's been doing quite a bit. You remember the scoop and score when Amik Robertson, when the Raiders played the Broncos here at Allegiant Stadium, Amik Robertson picked up that uh, fumble by Gordon and took it to the house. So he has a tendency to put the ball on the ground, and Max Crosby knew it, and he punched that thing out. You want to talk about the ultimate, the ultimate effort. That's Max Crosby to a T. My man not only knocked the ball out of Melvin Gordon's hand, caused the fumble, but then turned around and blocked the, the, the field goal attempt going into the locker room. And that is nothing but effort. That's how you block kicks is with 100% max effort. And I'm not trying to make a play off his names, but that's what it is. Max effort with two X's is what you have to have to be able to block a, a, a field goal attempt. And that's what he did. Matter of fact, I asked head coach Josh McDaniels about that earlier today while we were at the uh, Intermountain, Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And we'll get to that in a little while. But that's just, uh, again, that's just something that you got to give that dude a ton of credit for. So uh, how big of win was that for you? When it comes to the Raiders beating the Broncos, what did it mean to you? What did you learn about the silver and black in that victory? And then also, who are you handing game balls out to? Again, we're at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Uh, we're here every single Monday night for Monday Night Football. Tonight in Mexico, it's going to be the 49ers and the Cardinals. No Kyler Murray. It'll be Colt McCoy getting the start for the Arizona Cardinals. But you can watch that game in its entirety right here. Not only that, you can also watch the World Cup. The World Cup uh, is going on. The action got started yesterday, and uh, the USA, they, they ended up uh, having a draw today with Wales. So uh, you can watch all the World Cup action right here on some of the many TVs that they have going on here inside the Underground Lounge. But let's go ahead and go out to the phone lines real quick. Let's go ahead and start this thing up. I'll start with the, the callers today, 702-365-9200. Also, the text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Let's go out to the Lone Star State. Let's talk to my guy Tim from Texas. Welcome to the show, Tim. Hello, how y'all doing? We're blessed, man. How are you? Um, okay, I'm uh, I'm, I'm headed home from the game right now because I went to the game yesterday. Nice. Uh, I, I I was in, I was enjoying uh every minute of it. Uh, but um, uh, you know I live in Lubbock, Texas. I'm not I'm not familiar with the Monterey coach uh uh yet because uh, um, I think it's a new program, people, uh, right? That's a new program, right? Yeah. No. Well, no, it's not a new program. Monterey is one of the oldest high schools in Lubbock. Okay. Um, uh, um, they um, the uh, they were in five A. I, I think they're still in five A. They used to play. Uh, they're the ones that used to play like uh, Car Carnado is from Lubbock also. And then you got you got um, you got um, Friendship High School is from okay. basically. I know Friendship. Wolford. But okay. uh, they used to play against Midland Lee and uh, Odessa Permian and all of them. Oh yeah, um, the big dogs. Yeah, 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 <laughs> they yeah. played against the big dogs. <laughs> yeah, but I enjoy. I just want to say I enjoyed the game. I went to Denver yesterday. I enjoyed the game. I'm on the way back home now. I wish uh, I was in the wrong. I was on the wrong side of the tunnel though because they was on in that other tunnel celebrating and stuff like that. I thought they was going to be in our tunnel celebrating. But uh, I just want to say one of the main things that, uh, that uh, like the question that you had asked earlier, what I really noticed yesterday is something that I never really, I don't know why, but I never really paid attention to, how patient Josh Jacob, Josh Jacob was on getting into those holes yesterday. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could see him kind of stop for a second, see that hole, and bam. I've seen that at least three or four times. Tim, thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. Be safe traveling home. And, yeah, he is a very patient runner. 
very patient. And that's one of the things about him. He's not one of those guys that's just a, a speedster that's going to try to outrun you. And, you know, like the, uh, the, the, the young cats when they try to get to the outside and they think they're going to hit a home run every time. He's not that guy. And it's so funny, and this is why we'll talk to Luke Robinson coming up at 430. A lot of people believe when the Raiders drafted him, like he's not going to be able to guy, be a guy that's going to be able to run between the tackles consistently. Well, he does. He's very patient. He's very patient. He, he knows how to set up his blocks. He knows how to follow his blocks. And once he does, man, he gets in there, and he's tough to, he's tough to uh, bring down. And, of course, having a career year. And uh, as far as the, the celebration in the tunnel, yeah, the Raiders were in the wrong tunnel celebrating. But uh, it, was, it was, hey, man, that's what you got to do. When you win that game uh, on, on hostile territory like you did in Denver, uh, that's big time. So I'm glad you went to the game. I'm glad you got to enjoy that. Thanks so much for your call. I do appreciate you. I'll tell you this, man. It taught me it, – it, not taught me. It told me a lot about this team seeing the way that they won that game. I mean, it was a tough battle, right? Denver has a really good defense. They still ended up putting up 22 points when other teams don't do that, right? The Raiders did it when they played them in, in the Legion, and then they did it on their home field. So they show you glimpses of what they can be and how resilient they can be. And I, I, you got to give them a lot of credit for being a resilient bunch. I know things haven't gone right, and I know that we're not going to you know, celebrate a win like they won the Super Bowl. But they're a resilient bunch, man. To be in the position they were, especially down at, at halftime, and especially the way the defense was playing early on, it wasn't playing very well. And then all of a sudden the second half, after giving up, what, 10 points in the first half to only allow six points? That was great. That was great. It gave the Raiders the opportunity to have their offense strike late. And they had all those losses, all those one-score losses that they had been having. They were 0-6 going into that game. And then they just all of a sudden, think. Just flipped that thing on. Derek Carr made it happen. Josh Jacobs made it happen. Devontae Adams made it happen. Daniel Carlson, let's not forget him, even though his field goal record uh, streak was, was snapped. He made it happen. Career-long field goal, 57 yards. Without that field goal, they're not in overtime. Right? Without that Max Crosby block field goal, they're not in overtime. There's a lot of factors that went into it, but just being a resilient bunch, knowing everything that they heard this week or that week leading into the game, Knowing all the emotions that Derek Carr put on the podium, what Devontae Adams has said in the locker room, that was one of the big questions I asked Cassie Soto that on Friday. How do you think that they're going to come out and react after having that emotional week? What do you think that they're going to look like? And we had reported, we had heard that in the locker room they were having a good time. They weren't down on each other. They were, you know, playing music, just handling their business, and that was a good sign. And what they were able to do, and I do believe – that going into the locker room when Max Crosby got that, that block field goal, that was probably the play of the game. You see a play like that that is 100% effort, and then you're running into the locker room as well. You even see Josh McDaniels, who doesn't celebrate and doesn't get very emotional at all, you even see him give a little fist pump because he knew how big that was. That was massive. Like, I know that it's only three points not on the, on the board for Denver, but it was just such a massive momentum and, like, juice, extra juice provided to the team. So I just learned that the team was very, very resilient as, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, my man Danny is running the boards in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio sitting across from him is my man DeMond Cotton. And DeMond, I'll, uh, I'll pitch to you. What did you see? What did you learn? Uh, what did that win from the Raiders over the Denver Broncos mean to you as you were observing the game on Sunday? It really just showed me that at times that this team can be as good as we thought they were where when they're all executing, Devontae Adams mentioned after the game having fun, it showed me that when people say you guys lie to us, maybe <laughs> the team record-wise isn't living up, into, living up to it. But in flashes, we see what we all thought this team could be in the offseason. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and they do in flashes. You're right. They haven't done it consistently. And like I said, I'm not going to crown them. 
because they had one good game and the second victory here with the Denver Broncos. Not going to crown them for that. They obviously got a lot of work to do. But I'd say this, and then we'll go back to, out to the phone lines. If I'm the Raiders, if I'm in that locker room, if I'm in that front office, if I'm anywhere in the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, I'm looking up and saying, you know what? We ain't catching the Chiefs, but the Chargers are right there. Mm-hmm. The Chargers are right there. You know what I mean? Like, hey, we started out in this again. If I'm talking, if I'm in the locker room, if I'm suiting up for the silver and black, I'm thinking, hey, man, we started on Sunday in fourth. Right now we're in third. A couple things go our way, and oh, by the way, the Chargers are coming to town. Might end up in second before you know it. I mean, you just I'm just saying. I'm not trying to blow smoke. I'm not trying to get anyone's hopes up. I'm not doing any of that. But if that's me, that's what my attention is all of a sudden thinking about, like, wait a minute. I know this hasn't gone the way that anyone expected it to, but the Chargers are right there. I mean, they're literally right. They have five wins. The Raiders have three. And they were supposed to be a team that was going to win the AFC West, too. Remember, every, everyone's going to be a great team in the AFC West. Turns out it's the Chiefs are a really good team. I was even pulling for the Chiefs to win that game Sunday night for that exact reason. Because, hey, you know what? I don't think the Raiders catch the Chiefs. They're pretty far ahead. They're three games ahead of second place, let alone everyone else. But the Chargers are right there. They're right there within striking range. 702-365-9200. Save Raider from Connecticut. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Well, I just want to say, um, first, I'm saved Raider because we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. Atoning work on the cross. Had to get that out there. And what that game meant to me was that there's a flicker of hope. We made the playoffs uh, at 10-7 and 7 last year, and uh, we got seven games left. We can run the table and get in at 10-7. and 7. I, I ain't afraid to say it because if the Dolphins could win seven straight last year, the Raiders can win seven straight. If the Eagles can win seven, eight straight, the Raiders can win seven straight. But this is why I'm calling is because uh, I'm kind of like going through the uh, Raider Nation car wash, if you will. Uh, Friday, Raider 66 call in the wake of uh, Broncos Raiders about a Monday night classic in 1988. So I just want to piggyback off of that. See, I was a former crack addict for 12 years from the mid-80s to the uh, early uh, to the uh, late 90s. I got saved while I was incarcerated. In 1988, I was doing time at Santa Rita County Jail, Dublin, California, not far from Pleasanton, California, where John well. Madden used to I know to it say. well. <laughs> I, I know, know you do. I know, I know Dublin do. well, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so there I was. I had a good job. Turn your radios up. This is good radio right here. In 1988, I had a good job, uh, what was considered a good job. I was a butcher. So what do butchers do? We can make sandwiches, bring them back to the barracks, sell them for packs of cigarettes, which was jail money. I could also bring back yeast, which was uh, used to make jailhouse alcohol called yeah. Pruno. Pruno, so yeah. A non, <laughs> that's right. So as a non-smoker, I got jail rich. My locker was stacks, had stacks of cigarettes. So what did I do? I bet football. So there we were, 1988, where the Denver Broncos was taking on the Oakland Raiders. So I found a guy that I had to get my Howard Cosell in. So yeah, I'm mad at you. Uh, there, there, there's a, there was a guy I bet, we bet five packs of cigarettes apiece. What you do is you put your cigarettes on top of the cigarette, uh, on top of the, uh, uh, the uh, television while you watch the game. So there's ten packs of cigarettes up there. The Raiders look horrible. I think it was doing Jay Schrader's. He just come over from uh, Washington, Jay Schrader's uh, time, and the Raiders looked horrible. So I conceded the bet at halftime. It was 24-0 Broncos. Here, man, take the cigarette. 
I think I went and got on my bunk and watched the rest of the game. I'll be darned if the Raiders didn't come roaring back and tie it right before the end of regulation and then win it in overtime. So it just taught me a lesson to never give up, never give up. And that's my little story. It took me back to 1988, but I got 19 years clean off of crack to the glory of God. And in the words of Gangster Raider, I'm gone. Nice, nice. Save Raider from Connecticut. Thank you for the call. Thank you for the history lesson. And more importantly, man, thank you for you, right? Seriously. Like, I know we bicker and fight and go back and forth a lot on this station, and Raider Nation feels some kind of way about everyone at some point. I get it. And that's a testimony right there, brother. So, uh, you know, regardless of regardless, whatever the Raiders do the rest of the way, uh, congratulations to you. And it's funny that you mentioned uh, Dublin and Pleasanton, and those are some old stomping grounds. You mentioned being a butcher, and I used to work in the meat department in Lucky's, uh, and it was Lucky's at the point. That, uh, yeah, I think it was. Lucky's it turned into Albertsons at one point, but right there in Pleasanton. So uh, fantastic stuff, man. Thank you for sharing your testimony. And, yeah, that's one thing I learned as well is never give up on a Raider game because you never know. What's going to happen? I always go back to that game way back in the day, and I always get the quarterbacks and the players uh, confused. I think it was Wade Wilson to to James Jett in the last uh, seconds of the game against the Chargers when the Raiders couldn't get nothing going. And I was there, and I was like, man, I'm out of here. And uh, me and the Bay Mama at the time uh, left left the, the Coliseum and got halfway to the car, and all of a sudden I hear this roar from the crowd. And uh, I believe Wade Wilson had hit James Jett deep for a touchdown pass to win the game. And I thought, man, I'll never in my life leave a Raider game early or do any of that because, you like, like, like say Raider in Connecticut just said, you never, ever know. That's a mic drop moment right there, man. Thank you for the call. I do appreciate it. Keep the calls and texts coming, 69187, keyword R&R, 702-365-9200. Who are you giving out the game balls to for the victory on Sunday? And what did that victory mean to you? What did you learn about the Raiders as they topped the Broncos, 22-16. 2.25 is the time. We're at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas will join us next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Well, it felt amazing. Um... I did save Derek a little bit. He uh, he almost pulled us into the wrong tunnel. He was he was, he was a little excited, and and I was like, yeah, we I'm excited too, but I go this way, wrong tunnel. And then we had a little powwow, and you know, with the whole squad over there, so it was uh, it was cool. No, so our buses actually come down that tunnel, and then they hit a right, and so I was like, we could really just go right here and hit a left. Um, no, but he said, we started jumping. I said, let's go, we're out of here. He said, yeah, and he's like, wait, wrong tunnel. I was like. I know, Tay. You don't have to tell everybody. Well, I ain't going to tell nobody else. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. We are at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, talking about going down the wrong tunnel or potentially going down the wrong tunnel, celebrating their victory 22-16 over the Denver Broncos, improving their overall record to 3-7. and seven. Joining us now on the phone lines to talk about that victory and what's next for the Silver and Black is our good friend Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, and also the Las Vegas Review Journal writes for them, does a fantastic job. And, Ed, I start off with this question, the same question I've asked Raider Nation today. What did you learn about the Raiders in that overtime victory for the first one-score victory of the season? You know, that they're still playing for themselves. They're still playing hard. They're still, you know, they're still wanting to win games. They're still involved and engaged. And, you know, when you're 2-7, and seven, that's hard. Um, and when guys are calling each other out and you're having the kind of emotional weeks that you had in the previous two weeks, I think, you know, to come up and, 
you know, to get a win on the road, no matter who it's against, um, overtime, it kind of shows that they're still playing for something in their minds. Um, three and seven's a hard road back, but, uh, you know, I just thought, you know, to go there and to win after everything that's happened the last few weeks was uh, really good for them. Were you wondering what, what you were going to see as far as, like, energy and excitement, especially after the emotions that Carr showed on the podium, Devontae in the locker room? Were you wondering what, what that was going to look like the next time they took the field? Yeah, d- definitely, Q. Um, and it was interesting because, you know, you probably heard heard the clips or, you know, watched Max Crosby talk about that that during the middle of the week, uh, Deron Harmon had to have a little, had to have at least defensively, had to have a little talk with guys because there was no energy. And they were watching film and no one was giving each other high fives, no one was celebrating anybody. So he said, you know, it's time to get going and show energy and that you want to be out here and you want to play. So that was interesting to me because I thought they did have energy. Um, and then we learned after the game, you know, perhaps, you know, there was a little reason why where, you know, Deron in the middle of the week got after guys and, you know, they, they certainly, you know, they obviously brought it yesterday. Yeah, no, they really did. Again, Ed Graney is our guest here from ESPN Las Vegas on Red Nation Radio 920. On the say rough, this my man Demon Cotton. He's got one for you. All right, Ed, you mentioned we're going to talk about UNLV later. Don't you worry. Uh, oh, Demond. man, they don't even deserve conversation, dog. They don't even deserve uh, conversation. Uh, you mentioned about, you know, the energy Deron Harmon talking to the defensive side. Devontae Adams, he was asked about, you know, that funness on the sidelines yesterday. But it also comes down to execution. So did you think that – how did you think the funness or just rallying around each other helped the execution of the team? Well, much better in the second half. They were kind of, you know, the penalties in the first half really hurt them. They could have, they could have had a lead going into halftime had they not pushed themselves back, and they had been doing that all year, and that's what McDaniels had harped on. So you're sitting there at halftime thinking, all right, you're down seven, or excuse me, down 10-7. Could be up if you hadn't had the penalties, so the execution wasn't good there, but then they come out in the second half. Crosby's, I don't think you can overstate how important Crosby's block of that field goal was. Um, it just It just seemed to turn the tide for them. Um, running into that locker room at halftime and only being down 10-7 and then coming out and executing a lot better in the second half. So he was, you know, I mean, he's a great player, but I thought yesterday, you know, I don't know what you thought, he's as good as I've seen him. I mean, he was all over that field doing everything. Um, and I, I'll go back to that block field goal. I mean, yeah, it would have only been 13-7, but, you know, they wouldn't have had the same juice and I think going off that field after his block. So I thought his block you know, kind of really turned the tide for them and got them into that locker room feeling good about themselves. You mentioned turning the tide and then them coming out of the out of the locker room from halftime. When did you notice, like, hey, this isn't going to be what we've seen for the rest of the season. They they actually may come and pull this one out in a close game. You know, throughout the second half, and I don't know if I can come up with one play or specific, you know, instance, but I thought throughout the second half they played with a lot more determination. They obviously played with a lot more focus because they cut down on the penalties. Um, that was real important. So I just thought in the second half they played with a purpose to win the game. And, again, we'll go back to the original thought. You're 2-7. You're on the road. You're down at halftime. You know what happened the previous two weeks with players kind of calling each other out and being emotional and all that. So I thought that second half showed a lot about them. Again, it's one game. Now they're 3-7. and seven, Long, long road back. But you know what? Um, they're still fighting, obviously, and they still want to win games, obviously. And I know there's fans out there kind of caught in the middle saying, well, you know, you win this many in the draft pick and all those storylines that we've gone over in the last few weeks. But for them, um, I think they want to win every game they play, and I think the coaches want to win every game they coach. 
Yeah, I agree 100%. And I know those players in the locker rooms are like, uh, draft pick be damned, right? They're not worried about what a draft pick looks like. They're no. worried about getting wins and, and getting and you know winning games instead of yeah, losing games. Yeah, they don't games. care about that. No, that's, that is it. Again, we're talking with Ed Graney here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Going back to Max Crosby, and I agree with you, Matt, uh, uh, Ed. I said that that block by Max was probably the biggest play in the game, right? I think that that was the most yes. important play just because of what it did for the mentality and the excitement of those, those Raiders. But when it comes to Max and his tenacity, and the way that he just goes, goes, goes. And I know that that's what we've been seeing the whole time he's been in the league, but does it ever surprise you that he just doesn't slow down? Uh, yeah, I mean, it surprised me because I didn't think, you know, someone could go that hard all the time, and even as well-conditioned an athlete he is and how great a player he is. But I think that's what makes an all-pro player. You know, there's just, different, there's just things that are different about those kind of guys who elevate themselves into, and Harmon said afterwards he thinks he's a top-ten defensive player in the league. I don't think there's any question about that. Russell Wilson talked about him after the game as well and how great a player he is. And I just think when you're an elite player like that, you have something most, you know, 99% of the other guys don't. And that was, that's what makes you elite. So it does surprise me. He's out there every play. His motor's amazing. Um, you know, he's, he's involved in as much as he can be involved with on every snap, no matter what they're doing to him, chipping him, doubling him, you know, sometimes tripling him. Uh, and yet he still finds ways. So yeah, he was. He was really good yesterday. I thought in the first half he was he was excellent. Um, and again, you know, a couple sacks, tackles for losses, stats just grow. You know, in, uh, you know, if the blocked field goal was the most important play, second most important play might have been his strip of Gordon at the goal line. Yeah, because if he goes in there, and then what? Then it's seventeen seven. Right. And you're like, all right, and they get the ball coming out of the half. So, you know, those two plays, you know, especially after he took the penalty on Will, against Wilson um, and extended the drive, and I know. You know, we talked to him afterwards. He was really upset about that. That's a tough one to take, but you're going 100 miles an hour. Um, he falls. You fall. I mean, letter of the law, probably a flag. But you know, it's. I think he, he took it. You know, he took it pretty hard because he even said he goes, "I'm just I'm running as fast as I can there." And you know, it's probably humanly impossible to slow up or to not you know stop your um, your juice going into the guy. So, um, but he told Deron Harmon in that instance, "Don't worry, I'll make a play on this drive to stop them." And you know. Lo and behold, he makes two. He strips, <laughs> right, and then he gets the block field goal. And he, he did. He literally kept them out of the end zone by himself. Right. No, and that's what great players do. They could tell you that they're going to go make a play and then turn around and actually go and make that play or make two in the instance that Max Crosby did with knocking the fumble uh, out of Gordon's hands and then also uh, by blocking that field goal going into the locker room. Offensively, Ed, how about Josh Jacobs? I mean, this is a guy who's got his uh, fifth-year option was declined, and all he's done is run hard all season long, and I get it. It's a contract year, but there's just something different about Jacobs. What did you see from him on Sunday? I mean, you know, the, for a team that held their opponent to 67 yards rushing the week before, uh, Josh Jacobs is one guy who doesn't mind the vaunted Denver defense. I think he went for 120-plus mm-hmm. the first time here when they beat him. Yesterday's 100-plus yesterday. And he's, you know, he's playing like he's daring them to say, okay, you didn't give me the fifth-year option, so now you're going to have to pay me. Now, whether they do or not, that's a completely different question. I don't know if they will. Um, you know, they didn't pick up his option. We, you and I have talked a long time about running backs in the league, what they really mean, what, what, what GMs and coaches, you know, think of running backs in terms of, you know, who can play the position and what they can get out of them. But I do think he's, you know, there's no question he's opened a ton of guys across the league. and He will be playing somewhere next year, probably for a good, good chunk of change. Um, he, if it's here, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if, what they're thinking about it, but he's doing a heck of a job. And you're right. Ever since they didn't pick up that option, you know, we talked about it. You could have gone one way or the other. 
you could have sulked and not been productive and said they didn't pick up my option and, you know, to heck with them. Yeah. Or you could have done what he's doing and look what he's doing. Yeah, Ed, after the game, talking about another great player, Devontae Adams, Vinny even asked Coach McDaniels, did he run the exact same play twice for Devontae Adams to get that walk-off touchdown? Were you surprised about how the Denver Broncos were defending Devontae Adams in the game? I got to be honest with you, and we sat there and talking about it a few times when he didn't get the ball. I'm never surprised he's open the way he runs routes. <laughs> he, he, he ran one route on a drag route where he acted like he was going to block and kind of jab-stepped in and went across the middle, and he was open by 10 yards. That guy is an incredible route runner. So I guess I wasn't surprised, maybe a little because it had happened before, but watching that guy on a weekly basis run routes is, is amazing. So I, I can't – after watching him all year, I think he leads the league with nine touchdown catches now. If that, ten. I'm not ten. Mistaken, ten. Yeah. He's got ten. Yep. Um, then I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at whatever he does. So is he the rare exception for the receiver that's always open? He's always open. Yeah, they, they, even even Carr said that in, on the field after the interview afterwards. He goes, sometimes I have to throw it to other people because of the calls and the progression. He said, but I know wherever he is, he's probably open. Yeah, I mean, even on plays that are contested, like his first touchdown catch, I mean, it was contested somewhat, but not really, right? right? I mean, he's still – it's like it almost looks effortless, and it's not like he's running so fast. It's like, you know, Ed, when you see these guys that are so good, but they're controlled, their body is under control, it's like nothing could stop them, and that's what Devontae Adams looks like every time he's yeah, out there. He is, and on that first one, I think if Derek maybe leads him a little more, it's not even contested. Right. It was maybe a little to the back shoulder to where you see it contested, but still he was, you know, he was so open that, you know, anything near him he was going to get. Um, but, yeah, he's, uh, he's an amazing player. Um, and for all that's gone on, for all that 3-7 and seven is, and everything that's happened with that team, uh, he just continues to produce. Yeah, no, he really does. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch, that is for sure. Again, we're talking with Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas here on Red Nation Radio 920. Before DeMond has to say something about UNLV, i got to ask, <laughs> can the Raiders build off of this? They have Seattle on the road. Can they take this uh, show on the road for a second week in a row and, and, and have a game like this against the Seahawks? That's a tough one, Q. I'm not so sure. I, I don't know. I mean, I think you'd like to think they could, but I, I don't know. I mean, they're, the schedule now, you know, as, as we said, remember we, we talked about the, you know, it's an easy schedule, easy schedule. Well, you know what? Maybe they'll flip the script and they'll do better against the tough schedule. <laughs> I mean, the NFL is a weird league, and every week yeah. you see scores, and you're like, oh my goodness, how did that happen? You know, eight and one, and you get forty, le- you know, forty pinned on you by Dallas. Right. Uh, you know these these scores across the league. You know, New England has to have a walks off and a punt return. I mean, so nothing surprises me in the league if they went to Seattle and played well or not. I think you got to go one week at a time with these guys, though, given what's happened so far. Um, but, no, I wouldn't, I'm not going to be surprised if they go play well. Um, you know, uh, I thought um, our friend Paul Gutierrez of ESPN had a really good tweet this morning that it, this game yesterday reminded him of Cleveland last year, yeah. which, got them, which got them going. You know, maybe not the prettiest win, you know, whatever. It's, you know, the, you just got to win. You just, you're in a point in the season where you have to win and you, can't, you just can't lose a game. And Paul tweeted that, and I started thinking about that. You know, you just never know. You know, you, you just go one at a time. When you're three and seven, you can't think of anything other than Seattle. Right. You can't. You can't look at standings. You can't worry about who's ahead of you. You're three and seven. So if you just focus everything you have on Seattle and go up there and play a really good game, you'll be in the game to win it. All right. All right, Ed, so I've got to finish it off with UNLV, man. Uh, you wanted to, No, Q, he wanted to talk about this. Ed, Ed brought the fight to me before we even got on air. So, <laughs> well, there's Ed, not much of a fight. You lost No, not at all. <laughs> well, let's just move forward already. Is, is Coach Marcus Arroyo, should he come back next season? 
Well, boy, throw me in. Throw me man, I'm telling you. Jeez, man, he threw you right in the fire. Jeez, he didn't even. These are the hard questions you get on Unnecessary you know, Roughness. I mean, man. I, I, I'd feel good if I'm him if I beat Nevada and I'm Reno, and that's five wins. He lost seven straight, I think. Um, and uh, is it seven straight or six six straight? I'm, 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 I've lost count. It's seven. Too many. Uh, uh, you know, I mean. This is this is a hard way to end, Demond. I mean, those were two wins that you know against teams that you really should beat, and they've already lost one. Um, but winning the Canyon, getting to five, you know, Tyler and I talked about this on our show. I think at the, at the beginning of the year, if you just said, "Hey, they're going to win five games," you just said, "Whoa, okay, that's an improvement." You know, I mean, they're they're on the right path. You know, that's five is a lot more than they've won recently. It's just what happens is when you're four and one, I think expectations grow as they should. You know, with your four and one, say, "Hey, two games of bowl eligibility." Yeah, the schedule's getting tougher, but they'll find two wins, and now it didn't happen. So um, that, that's a tough that's a tough road to hoe. I think uh, I think winning the cannon and getting to five would maybe may feel have people feel a little better about things. Um, and you, you just can't lose the Reno. But I say that, and you can't lose the Hawaii, and they did. So um, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at you know uh, I'd win the cannon and, and win that game. That was a tough one, man. That loss to Hawaii was a tough one. I remember oh, I was yeah. searching for it on TV on Saturday night and. Come to find out it was somewhere on the internet. So I was like, ah, it's Hawaii. They're going to win anyway. It's all right. I'll yep. check it out the next day, only to wake up to find out they took that. Yep. That was tough, man. That was a tough one. That was bad. That was a tough one. <laughs> yeah, that was a tough one. You, you can't lose that one, Ed. I mean, really, there's no, no, no reason. And, and being bull no. eligible should have been what the goal was this season. That should have been the mark that especially they had at four to reach. and one. Yeah, yep. especially at four and one. I mean, exactly. you got to find two, and they weren't able to do it. And now, like I said, the cannon means a lot to those schools. Um, so, you know, go win the cannon and have five wins and see if you can go forward. We will see. It should be interesting. What do you got coming out on the RJ? And I know you guys are at Parkway Tavern tomorrow. You guys will be a yeah. World Cup little uh, little uh, uh, watch party going on in the district. Little watch party. Um, Tyler will be uh, telling me everything that happened. I, I was on a plane today when the U.S. drew. Um, yeah. So I'll have to watch some of the highlights later on that. Get out to Parkway tomorrow and hopefully people will be out there. We can talk to them about sports. And then uh, get some Raiders coverage this week along with some Golden Knights. There you go. Sounds like a party, Ed. Well, we'll check you out. I'm going to try to stop by early in the morning at Parkway to check you guys out. So uh, make sure you have a good time, brother. Uh, Hopefully I can find it. If I find it, we're (laughs) off and running. (laughs) You'll be all right, man. Put in your GPS like I do. You'll be good to go. I'll see you later. (laughs) All right, brother. There he goes. Ed Graney, ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station. Also the Las Vegas Review Journal on Twitter. At Ed Graney does a fantastic job with both, and we definitely appreciate him. All we want to hear from you, Raider Nation, we want to hear from you. 702-365-9200-69187, keyword R&R. That is the text line. Let us know who you handed out game balls to. And also, what did that win mean to you from the Silver and Black on Sunday? What did you learn about the team? This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Coming up at 3 o'clock, George Takata. He'll join us to talk all things Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, that connection going all the way back to Fresno State and that connection that they are showing this year here in Las Vegas with the Silver and Black. That's coming up at 3 o'clock. We're at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casinos, our Monday night football spot each and every Monday night. And tonight it will be the 49ers and the Cardinals from Mexico City on the uh, on the field. And there will be no Kyler Murray. Colt McCoy will be the starting quarterback for the second week in a row for the Arizona Cardinals. But uh, it's a Monday night football game. We'll be paying attention. We'll be locked in. 
the Niners and the uh, the Cardinals NFC West battle going down a little bit later on this afternoon. I've uh, been throwing out the question to you: uh, Who are you giving game balls to as far as uh, you know the victory for the Raiders over the Broncos, 22-16 in overtime? And also, what did you learn about the team? I think that's probably the most important question. What did you learn about the Raiders? in their victory. And we did get a text from the 707 Q and DeMond. Good afternoon. What do you guys think of moving Illuminar to left tackle and Colton to right tackle? Seems Illuminar is better on the left. And that was something that I wanted to bring up at some point as well, not necessarily moving Illuminar or moving Colton. I don't want to do it. I don't want anything to do with that. But I do want to give the offensive line credit for Colton Miller being out and Jermaine Illuminar stepping into that left tackle spot and holding it down and then Thayer Munford holding down that right tackle spot. And was it perfect? No. It wasn't. They had uh, moments where they had issues. They did give up a sack. But for the most part, man, being thrust into that the way that they did, I thought that they did a pretty good job. So I want to give them a lot of credit for that. But as far as permanently moving, Colton needs to stay there as long as he can at that left tackle position, and the Raiders need to figure out the right tackle spot. But, you know, as guys get older, man, and that's what they do, no one in the league is getting younger. They get older, and you're going to have to continue to develop people behind guys so that they can slide in when necessary. So got to give a Luminor who we – you know, we, we, we bag on, not bag on, but we, you know, give him the dirt quite a bit. Got to give him credit for what he was able to do. Him and Thayer Muff are both sliding into those tackle spots. Uh, the 909 text said Max Crosby gets the game ball. No doubt. I mean, Max Crosby was the most important player in that game, in my opinion. Just what he was able to do, and I think that everything that he did was contagious for the rest of the team. I thought that that was uh, huge, absolutely huge what he was able to do, especially the, the forced fumble, the block field goal, and then obviously the sacks that he had as well. But, man, the, what he did right before halftime was so huge for the Raiders uh, to go ahead and get that victory. One more quick text. Mailman Raiders said, Q, I'll sh- shy away from the obvious and give a game ball to Jermaine Illuminor. He held up his end of the bargain, filling in on the left side. This win, to me, meant the team isn't giving up on the season like a bunch of Raider Nation is. There's still a, a road to get back on track. It may be windy and have a bunch of potholes, but it's a road. Also, Raider Nation needs to get the pitchforks uh, get their pitchforks and show up to DeMond's house for Jenks and Carlson's field goal. Just saying. That's so funny. And, DeMond, I know you probably saw the tweets as well. When when Daniel Carlson missed that uh, that 46-yard yard field goal, I immediately thought about you, and I think so many people in Raider Nation thought about you. I saw a lot of people tweet saying that DeMond jinxed it. What were your thoughts when you saw Carlson miss that field goal? I said, man, maybe no one's going to tweet at me about it. I already knew the tweets were going to come, but it's like, hey, maybe everybody forgot about it. Nobody's worried about little old me. And then the tweets started coming, and I just didn't respond. <laughs> I was blind. Yeah, hey, that's that's a smart thing. I I wish I could learn how to do that. I spent half the day on uh, on Sunday, half the game, uh, defending what we say and what we don't say here on the radio station, which was completely insane. But I spent half the game doing that, and then all of a sudden the Raiders – the Raiders win the game, and guess what? Everything went silent. Boom. All my tweets, all the, all the angry tweets that come my way, they all of a sudden disappeared. Funny how that happens. And no, everybody no, loved my Goodfellas reference. Nobody hit me and was like, oh, Q, my bad, I was wrong. Nothing. It was just like, oh, we'll leave Q alone now. We'll leave him alone. Game's over. They won. Never mind. Danny, I mean, what you got? I, I actually got texts about that missed field goal, too, because uh, on Friday – I gave out on the press box that my favorite bet of the weekend was over three and a half made field goals in the Denver and Vegas Raiders game. Yeah. And then he missed that field goal, and I got a, I got a tweet from one of the listeners of, hey, you jinxed it. Yeah, then did. And then second half came, and I was like, what's up? We're back. <laughs> you betting on the over-unders on field goals made in the game? Absolutely. Danny bets on everything. And I would have – 
so I don't know if you know this, Damon, but <laughs> no. Q knows this and Pressbox knows that I occasionally drive down to Arizona because it's got more sports books available. And you got a problem, dude. One of the ones that I wanted to take, but you I didn't make it down there. I was going to take over one and a half field goals by Daniel Carlson, but it's all right. Still got the over three and a half. You got a problem, brother. <laughs> no, <laughs> you are betting on everything, man. That little that app, that app for you on your phone is like Twitter for me. Like I'm always on that Twitter. You're always on on that app that you're betting on. You should have been there this morning when I was going wild during the World Cup games. Mm-mm, I'm glad I wasn't. I am glad I wasn't. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick. Talk to our friend Raider X. Welcome to the show. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hey, uh, so you wanted to find out uh, what the conversation is what what did I the the team or the game reveal? Yeah, it revealed that they do care. Um, uh, it, definitely, they care. There's uh, I don't know if it's a a rebound or or came up to a higher level, but they definitely care. But I wanted to share some observations uh, okay. specifically about the, the defense. So I want to get your input and also get some feedback from you. But I uh, wanted to, obviously, you know, uh, as a whole, it looked like the defensive unit was moving a lot faster, a little bit more freer. Uh, looked like they were reacting to the play and reacting to the ball um, a lot better than we've seen in previous games. You know, I think uh, Chandler Jones looked usual. Um, you know, I didn't see too much. Uh, you know, uh, the cornerback Webb, he took a couple steps back. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, he did. He, he got worked. He, he he struggled. He definitely looked, uh, yeah, not, not too good. Not too good. <laughs> but um, question, because, you know, usually you see your middle linebackers, and, you know, they were kind of shuttling him in there from Perriman and also uh, Ma- Masterson. Uh, can, what was that, bud? Masterson. There you go, Masterson. So they're shuttling back in there. Usually they have the green dot, but I noticed that Harmon had the dot. Mm-hmm. So I, I was, you know, I was looking at because he was shifting around back there, moving around, and it looked like he was really putting people in the right spot and giving them some darn good advice. And, you know, maybe that might be the key of them looking so reactive because it looked like from, like, you know, dialed back about five years, what Charles Butson used to do. Hey, watch this. Look over here. Spy this. Yeah. By that, and he was he was in dude's ears, and you could see that that they really had a sense of you know knowledge that they were in the game, and they actually had a, a sense of anticipation, and you could see that. A couple of the plays, I mean, Perriman's a dog, but some of those plays that he did, I mean, and also like Crosby, man, just they looked like they were anticipating the calls, they were reading the plays, yeah, and it, it was it was really really you know refreshing to see. That's about it, man. You know, it just looked like a lot more passion out there. And that's lovely, man. Raider X out, brother. Great call. Thank you, Raider X. Great call. And you know what? That's something I know we have to take a break. That's something that we talked about with Deron Harmon a lot. We said that before the season started. You know, whenever people quote us on what we talked about, that's one of them. Deron Harmon was a guy that we were excited about because he does a lot of film study. So he learns a lot. Even when we've had him on the show, we've asked him, you know, how much of uh, turnovers are you being able to to read alignments and realize where the ball should go and and what the play might be? And even if he doesn't come up with it, he's going to give someone else an opportunity. And with him having that green dot, that's a good observation by you. That's letting it be known that he's taking more of a general role. A general role is, I mean, like the general, the leader of the defense saying, hey, you do this, you do that, we're going to make this happen, and this is how we're going to make this play go. And that's, that's big. That's huge. And that's what Deron Harmon does, and that's why he's such an asset 
to that Raiders defense. 2.59 is the time. We're at the Oyo Hotel and Casino Underground Lounge every Monday night is with a spot. Come on by, get hooked up. we got a ton of prizes for you. And coming up next, starting off hour number two of the show, George Takata will join the show to talk about Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.